Great morning so far. That was really beautiful singing, wasn't it? You guys all sounded beautiful. So the words that we were singing, they're just amazing. Leave me astounded while I'm waiting with worship, waiting with praise uh, for you to show off your glory and let heaven invade, let the presence of God invade. That's actually just what I want to speak about this morning. Um, Could I just have the clicker, sorry? Uh, I want to speak about what it's like to worship while we're in that waiting. Because I uh, believe that this is something that we don't do well as Christians. We, um, we believe these words when we're singing them, but it's more than just singing and making a beautiful sound on a Sunday morning. We've got to live it out. And this part about worshipping in the waiting time is really hard work and it goes against everything within our natural selves and it's really vital. It's really vital to being a Christian, to living as a Christian, to live as a follower of Jesus and I don't think we get it right. This morning I want to go through um, uh, a section in the book of Acts when I look at Paul and Silas and see what it really means, what it means to worship in that waiting. So what I'm going to do is uh, read from the book of Acts. Uh, So that's towards the latter half of the Bible, the later half of the Bible. And I'm going to read a few verses and I'm going to stop in between and I've got some pictures. I've got like family photo slideshow. They're not my photos, but it'll be like they are. I'll say, look, here's when I went to Rome and here's like that. Uh, And I'll stop in between a few verses and just tell you a bit of the background and things. Um, The book of Acts is a really inventive name, which is short for the Acts of the Apostles. And uh, it's written by this uh, man called Luke, who's a doctor, Dr. Luke, good old Doc Luke. Uh, He wrote another book of the Bible called, and I again imaginatively named the Gospel according to Luke. Uh, He might not have called that, he just, that's what we call it. Um, And so the book of Acts is in the time after Jesus has died and he's risen from the dead and it's following uh, the actions of uh, those first disciples and apostles over the months and the years after Jesus is risen from the dead. Um, So I'm going to read from chapter 16, so Acts chapter 16, verse 16 to 40. We're talking about a time when Paul and Silas and Dr. Luke and maybe some other people, are going to a town called Philippi. And uh, I've got some photos to show you of Philippi later. It looks like an exciting place. Uh, Philippi was a a Roman town. In some of the Bibles it says a a Roman colony. But when I think of the word colony, I don't know about you, but I think of like leper colony or, I don't know, some sort of backwater, not a really big place. But Philippi was a major Roman city. And they are, they are miles and miles away from Rome, but they are like a little mini Rome. They've got their own courts, their own magistrates, their own justice system. They love being Roman. The town is mainly filled up with Greeks and Romans, but all the Greeks speak Roman. Everyone just is like, Rome is it. And they're trying to be this mini, little mini Roman. Anything that Rome does, they copy. So they're, they're like... Rome is our, oh, Rome, we're like Rome too. Yeah, Rome does something, we do it too. So Rome expelled all the Jews. Rome kicked all the Jews out. And so Philippi went, let's kick all our Jews out too. So they've recently kicked all the Jews out. They're really racist against the Jewish people. In fact, there's hardly any Jewish people there. You have to have 10 men to be able to have a synagogue, like a Jewish 
uh, church. And um, they don't even have one there. So they probably didn't even have 10 men in this town who were Jewish um, in Philippi. They have a meeting place that they meet down by the river. I'll show you a photo of that soon. Uh, the, there was like a building or a prayer group or something happening down at the river. So um, what we're going to see is Paul and Silas have a really, really, really bad day and we're going to see how they worship Jesus even in that because I believe that it's absolutely vital to learn what it means to worship even when we're in the dark, to worship even when we're in the hard place, to worship even in the waiting like we've been singing about this morning. Okay, so chapter 16. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, so we as Luke, he's there, he's the one writing, we were going down to the place of prayer, that's the river, and we met a demon-possessed slave girl. She was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. So that was really common in the Greek world. Fortune tellers were thought of really highly. They were really into like being really super spiritual. Um, and this woman was a slave. So she's like a psychic. She's reading omens or something. And actually it's a spirit that's against God within her that, that gets her to do this. So it's a demon within her that's telling her how to tell the future. She makes a lot of money for her masters. And she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. So all the Greeks and Romans are probably thinking, saved from what? What is that crazy lady talking about now? Has she read an omen? What does it mean to be saved? This goes on for a few days. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and he said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it instantly left. Now her master's hopes of wealth are shattered. She doesn't have this psychic demon in her anymore and she can no longer make money. She's just a normal run-of-the-mill slave. But instead of being happy that she's free, her masters are really angry at Paul and Silas. It says, so they grabbed Paul and Silas, dragged them before the marketplace and the authorities in the marketplace, and the whole city is in an uproar. Because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. And a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. Not really because of what they were saying, but because everyone's so anti-Jew. They're like, yeah, get the Jews. And the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. So this is the beginning of a very bad day. Stripped, beaten with sticks. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered, make sure they don't escape. So the jailer, very good at his job, puts them in the inner dungeon and he clamped their feet in stocks. That's pretty grim, isn't it? That's a bad day by anyone's standards. Can I have Karen the pictures? So I'll show you these pictures. Get you a bit of a background about what we're looking at. So this is actually the road. This is the ancient road on its way to Philippi. There's some modern-day travellers, but that's the actual road that Paul and Silas uh, and Luke would have walked on to get into Philippi. 
How cool is that? You can walk there now. This is like the amphitheater that they had in town. This is a big, major city. They could fit thousands and thousands of people in this theater, and they had like really famous for gladiator games there, apparently. Um, most of the town was made up, or a lot of the city was made up from ex-soldiers. So they used to be soldiers of Rome, and now they're like war heroes, and they're given land and stuff in Philippi, and they love going to the games. What happened then? This is the actual river. Still flows. The river beside this is where uh, this is where Paul and Silas were on their way to before they got accosted and beaten with rods. Um, this is where the Jewish people would meet somewhere around here uh, to pray. And then here's a, a bird's eye view of Philippi. So here's the theatre that we looked at before. There's the road that goes to the river, down to the river to pray. Acropolis, is that the graveyard or something? Uh, over here we've got, it's in the second century it was called a forum, but that's actually the marketplace where this event occurred. So they're just trying to walk through the marketplace and they get uh, in trouble. This is the actual place where they would have been dragged before the, it says the magistrates. So down here is where Paul and Silas would have been dragged. Up here, this area up here is called the Bema, which is the judgment area. So up there, up on that raised platform, that's where the magistrate was standing and these, um, the masters of that slave girl pulled Paul and, and that down in the front and they started saying, these Jews. So then everyone else who was obviously just milling around waiting for a fight started to attack on them. And then they were thrown in jail, remember. Here is probably the actual jail. This stuff really happened. Pretty dingy looking, isn't it? Obviously, it had a wall and wasn't supported like that. <clears throat> this is called the inner dungeon or the inner cell, which is maximum security cell. So there's two areas. There's the uh, normal dungeon and then there's the inner dungeon. Uh, and um, this is likely the inner dungeon part here. Here's a better view of it because it would have been down low, so it's like an underground place. So they have no windows in the inner door. It's windowless. Uh, some of the Roman prisons actually, um, they'd have like a, like a manhole. They didn't have like a doorway. They had like a hole in the ceiling and they would lower the prisons down, prisoners down and um, leave them down there or pull them up or something. If people died in the prison, because then they'd stop up the hole or close the door and there often wasn't enough oxygen in there. So sometimes people would expire from lack of oxygen, they just pile the bodies up in the corner till someone could be bothered to open them. Probably a mud floor, no light whatsoever. Uh, Paul's prison actually had like a door on it somewhere, uh, but still no light. So they would have shut the door, they're in complete darkness. Uh, I don't know how many people were in the room with them, um, but it most likely was really stinky and dark. Looking good so far? No blankets, probably no food. They had um, paws and stocks, it says. They put them in stocks. So they're similar to what we sort of think of with the uh, English stocks. So like big, big, heavy beams of wood and chains attached to their feet. So their feet would have been spread apart somehow and they're unable to stand up and move. Whether they had hand, um, hand chains or chains around their feet, I don't know. But we've seen chains that were around from that time and they'd get all rusty as people sweated and then uh, you are at high risk of infection and all your wounds because of the rusty, heavy chains. This is a bad day. So they were just going about their business. God told them to go to Philippi. 
God told them to teach people about Jesus. They're trying to bring hope and happiness and, and good times to people and they're stripped of all their clothes, beaten severely with sticks, thrown into jail unjustly, thrown into maximum security, big stocks on their feet, doors closed, pitch black. What are they going to do now? Honest to, honestly, be thinking in your head, what would you be doing now? Whimpering in the corner somewhere. Let's see what Paul and Silas did at around midnight. So the darkest point in the night in this pitch black, stinky, disgusting room. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were, drum roll please, praying and singing hymns to God. How's that in that awful prison? This is just amazing. The Message Bible says they were robustly singing loudly as if they're declaring these words I'm saying are louder than all the din I hear around me. The words I'm hearing, the words I'm saying are louder than the words that have been said over me. The freedom that I have in Jesus is greater and higher than this captivity that I currently see. And I'm going to keep on declaring his praises even if I'm burdened by a few chains or a bit of wood. That's not going to stop me. I'm going to keep on praising no matter what the circumstances. Isn't that amazing? I know. <laughs> it's just like that song we were singing, we're waiting with worship. We're not waiting, whimpering in the corner. With the power of the Holy Spirit, we're waiting with bated breath, waiting with worship to see the wonders that God is going to do. So I have actually named this Worship in the Dark. And that's what I think we need to get into our spirits as believers in Jesus. And I think we need to teach other Christians and new Christians that, that we worship in the dark. Because I think that there's this tendency, not you, I mean the whole, the whole Christian church in the Western world, there's a tendency to end up having a bit of a self-indulgent pity party, don't we? If this was me, I'd be... I'd be I don't know, I'd be angry at God. I'd be saying like, why have you put me here? Why, what's going on? Wasn't I doing exactly as you asked? Wouldn't you hear cursing and anger and hopelessness and despair? But these guys turn to each other and they're like, hey, or maybe they didn't turn to each other because it's pitch black. They turn around, looking around. Paul, yes, Silas, let's praise God now. Let's worship. Good idea. And they just start singing robustly. I think we just have this tendency to uh, coddle ourselves because that's what feels good and we tell each other, and I've done it too, we tell each other after a day like this, you just need to go home and have a shower and have some food and go to bed. Go to bed for a week and look after yourself, you know. Doesn't that seem like a good idea? But that's not what the Bible shows us. At no point, at no point does Paul go, hashtag, worst day ever, that's it. I'm giving up on God. I'm not doing this next week, Jesus, no matter what you say. This is like I've done enough now. This is my enough. I've been put in jail and beaten and I've done enough. You get someone else now. At no point does Paul complain at all. He never stops to, to, you know, lick his wounds or go, oh, poor me. He just 
praises even in the dark. So I've called this worship in the dark, but I came up with a few other names for it because I've just been astounded over these last few weeks as I've been picturing that moment when they thought, now we should praise, now we should sing robustly. Do you want to hear what my other titles were going to be? If you have some other ones, you can yell them out too. I just went nuts on alliteration. I've only got a few, but this week I'd be like in the shower and I'd yell for one of the kids, Amy, get a pencil and a pen, a paper. And I'd yell out one of these and she's thinking, what are you doing in the shower? Do I have my... You're on. Praising in prison. Singing in the stocks. Feet fastened but faith-filled. Declaring God wins even in the dark. Even in the dungeon. Even on death row. Determined, not discouraged. Church, I pray that when things come against you, it will cause you to be like Paul and Silas and not discourage you, but make you more determined to praise God, to lift his name higher than the circumstances around you. In Nehemiah, things were coming against him and he said, this isn't going to stop me. These things are coming against me to discourage me from doing God's work, but I'm going to make it to make me more determined to do the work that God has given me. And, and, and determine, not discourage. Let that be our mantra when things come against us. Not what, I, what we say and what we hear people say. You know, thing against thing comes against you and we hear people say, oh, that's it. That's the final straw. That's the last thing. Oh, one more thing. Can anything else go wrong? That's what we hear people say. That's our natural inclination. No more. In the name of Jesus, we see this makes me more determined, not discouraged. This makes me praise, even though I'm in a prison. This is going to make me worship, even in the dark, even in the dungeon. I'm singing, even in stocks. Got any more? No. If you've got one, you can yell it out. I think I exhausted the alliteration there. Um, There's possibly something with a B for bars. I don't know. I'll keep working. I'll put it on Facebook. So now we see the effects. What effect does this have? It has a good effect. Around midnight, this is what we just read, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Am I in charge or are you? You are, I am. The other prisoners were listening. Everybody's surprised. Has there ever been any, has this ever happened in this dungeon before, the maximum security dungeon? What noises will we have heard? Only crying, only weeping, only complaining, only cursing, only anger, only bitterness, only yelling at the guards, only those things, and never praising robustly singing and everyone listened all the other prisoners were listening if you will worship God in the dark times in your life people will listen if you want people to listen to you about Jesus then worship God even when it's hard it's easy to say Praise God, I'm so blessed. I've got such great hair and a great car and a great 
life and I'm just so grateful that God is so awesome. It's easy to praise God in the good times. And I tell you what, no one's listening. No one cares. There are a dime a dozen those words. But if you will praise God, if you will keep praising, even when you're beaten by all those around you and stripped of everything the world says is good and your feet are fastened in stocks and you're thrown into a dark, dark time and you will still worship and praise God, everyone around you will listen. Everyone's hearts will turn towards you to say, what is this song that we have never heard before? Next verse. Suddenly, suddenly, I'll let you do it. We'll work as a team. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. This is quite common. Heaps of earthquakes occurred in Philippi. That's eventually why the town was decimated by by too many earthquakes. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner flew off. When God moved to save and free Paul and Silas, every chain was loosened. Every door broke open. Your worship to God, when your doors are locked, will free the people around you as well. As they listen, as their hearts lean in, God is an opportunity to break open the chains in their life as well. Verse 27, the jailer woke up to see the prison doors open wide. He woke up and found the prison doors open wide. He assumed that the prisoners had escaped, as you would, as you would expect. So he did what any good Roman jailer would do. He drew his straw and went to kill himself. But Paul shouted, stop, stop. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for the lights and he ran into the dungeon and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas and he brought them out and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? See how God turns the tables. Earlier this night, the jailer thought that he was free and they were in prison and now he sees it's the other way around all the time and he's heard what the woman was saying in the streets. These men know something about what it means to be saved and now he sees God has saved them in a way he didn't even know that he was stuck. He says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved along with everyone in your household And then they shared the word of the Lord with him and his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them. He washed their wounds. And then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. They can't wait. This is like, wow, we're super excited. Wake everyone up, Martha. We're all going in. Uh, He bought them. Martha's not a very Roman name. I should have thought, Cleopatra, come on. Oh, that's Greek. No, never mind. Carry on. He bought them. (laughs) Claudius. Wake him up, Claudius. Okay. He brought them into the house and he set a meal before them and he, is, he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believe in God. So where we naturally would have this feeling like, good, the door's open, I'm out of here, I'm going home for my bath and my hot meal, I'm going to bed for a week, don't anybody ask me nothing, I've done enough today. Instead of that, Paul and Silas are worshipping and then without even missing a beat, 
they're talking to him about Jesus. Remember earlier in the day, they started the day, they're like, let's tell whoever we can find about Jesus. Then they're beaten and stripped and thrown in prison and put in stocks. And then they're just like, well, here's someone else. Let's tell him about Jesus. Not even missing a beat, not concerned for their own comfort. If they had have been concerned for their own comfort, the jailer would have died. If they had have thought, let's just go, the door's open, that's a blessing from God, let's just go, the jailer would have died. The Roman law, written in the law, stated that if you were the jailer, the Roman jailer, and your prisoners have escaped, then you must die. And it was better for them to kill themselves rather than be humiliated by everyone and then killed. So he was like, that's it, I'm out of here. The prisoners, see prisons in Rome were not places like we have prisons now where people do their time, they have their sentence. Prisons in Rome were waiting to be executed or waiting for your sentence to be um, like sent away. So people in this prison are going to be executed and if they've fled, justice must still be satisfied. Someone still has to die and it's on the jailer. I like to think, I can't promise, but I like to think that somehow Paul and Silas tied that in to the message about Jesus that, that we were like the ones who, who were meant to experience the consequences of sin and evil in our lives. But Jesus came and he let us escape and he took the penalty for us in his death on the cross. I don't know if he said that, but I think it would have been really good to put in there. I know one thing he did say. He did say to get baptised. There's no way this ex-Roman soldier living in Philippi would have known what get baptised is. There's not even any Jews in the place. And so Paul must have said, and Silas must have said, to believe in the name of Jesus, believe that Jesus' death on the cross reconciles us to God, and then Jesus rising from the dead gives us hope of new life. And then when you believe that in your heart and declare it with your mouth, you get baptised into the name of Jesus. Because why else would they get, get or their whole family to get baptised in the middle of the night? Can't even wait until tomorrow. Unless he thought that perhaps Paul and Silas were going to be executed in the morning. But they were like, yes, let's do it right now. That's why we're offering a baptism service uh, at this very spot over here, February 28th, so in just a few weeks. Because we want people to have the opportunity to say, yes, I believe in this Jesus. The stuff I've heard... I believe that it's true and I want to take that next step and be baptised to go under that water as a symbol that I'm going into the death of Jesus and I come out of that water as a symbol that I'm going to live my new life for Jesus, not for myself anymore. This jailer was facing death minutes ago and now the message of Jesus has given him so much hope. He's absolutely transformed. He's gone from worrying about his limited lifespan to worshipping with his family. The message that they gave, her gave was so transforming. For the jailer, now Jesus is the one who is greater than the Romans, greater than all circumstances, greater than his impending execution, greater than anything. He saw with his own eyes that Jesus is not held back by chains or prison doors being locked. And now he's heard from Paul and Silas Jesus is not held back even by death itself. Jesus has conquered everything and he saw it with his own eyes. And I've seen it with my own eyes as well, that Jesus has conquered everything. And isn't that what we sang this morning? Even death, you've already said, it's over. Sometimes we use this term about being saved. 
like, that's it, woohoo, now I'm saved. But the Bible explains that it's a process of being saved. And in that moment, when they're still in the prison, they're still in the dark, they're declaring they're saved, they're declaring they're free because they know that that's God's promise. It's going to happen. They're so sure of it. That's what faith is. From that dark prison, on that bad, bad day, and this is just the beginning of Paul's travelling ministry, his missionary our work. This is like the second mission that he does. And he just doesn't stop. His attitude never changes. This experience of Paul and Silas, it doesn't diminish him at all. It doesn't diminish his face. It doesn't phase him at all. He's not talking 10 years later about, it was so hard that time I was thrown in jail. I'm still processing it. And I still believe in Jesus and all, but I'm scared of stepping out again. He's not saying that. Ten years later, he's in prison again and he's writing the letter to the Philippians. He writes to the Philippian church when he's in prison ten years later and his attitude hasn't changed in the slightest. The letter to the Philippians reads like, hey, I'm in prison again, but it doesn't matter where I am, I've got an opportunity to talk to more guards about Jesus because he knows ten years ago he was in Philippi and he met a jailer and his life was transformed. Now he's talking to other guards He'll just talk to whoever is put in front of him. In the book of Philippians, that's where it says rejoice. Paul was writing rejoice and again I say rejoice. That's when he's in prison. He says don't be anxious for anything. Don't be anxious for anything but by everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, give your requests to God. Don't be anxious for anything, even in the dark, even in the stocks, even when people have unjustly wounded you. I wonder if you thought of all those times, I wonder if they encouraged themselves, him and Silas going, you know, Daniel was in the den with lions, at least there's no lions here. Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego were in the furnace with fire, at least there's no fire. Joseph was in the prison for years, I probably don't think he'll be in here for years. They can't have, see, you can't, you can't be in that dark place and just burst robustly into worship if you are an occasional church attender, if, if, you are, if you're into religion. Religion can't give you that. When we look at Paul and Silas, the power within them that enabled them to lift above those terrible circumstances is a mighty power of God it's not from them and that same power that was within them that same power that broke open the prison doors for everyone in the prison that's the same power that rose Jesus from the dead and Paul says that's the same power of God of the Holy Spirit that can be within each one of us as a believer that is the power of God that's within us so we're not whimpering in no corner in a fetal position shaking, thinking, I hope God saves me. We're worshipping with bated breath. I can't wait to see how God's going to get me out of this one. I can't wait to see the glory of God so robustly 
that everyone else around us will hear and be saved as well. Can I get the music team up, please? If you are, if you are not a believer in Jesus, if you haven't heard much about Jesus or you think, I'm like that jailer and I'm thinking, what do I have to do? I would love to speak with you more about that after the service. So please come and talk to me. So you can talk to me anytime. If I'm in the supermarket, if I'm in the dentist chair, anytime, come and talk to me if you would like to know more about Jesus. And if you want to know about being baptised or if you have questions about that or you'd like to sign up, then please come and see me after the service. I'll be over there by the one heart sign. But for now, I'd like to just give all of us an opportunity to worship. So if you would just stand now. So I want to give us an opportunity to worship. And for some of you right now, you're going to be worshipping in the dark. Some of you right now are in a hard place in your lives. And when, you know, when the world pushes us down, when the world wants to bow us down, when life circumstances want to push our faces down to the ground, Jesus says, I am the lifter of your head. I lift you up to standing. I lift your hands in praise. And I lift your face up to look at me full in the face. So we just want to worship now. We want to worship even if you're in that hard place. We want to say to God, God, I don't know how to get out of this. I feel like my feet are stuck in the mud, fastened down. There's chains holding me down. But I'm going to worship you in this time. I'm going to lift the name of Jesus higher than my circumstances. I'm going to worship you while I wait, not whimpering, but with bated breath, waiting see the glory of God invade. We're here in the presence of each other. You're not alone. We're here in the presence of each other, in the presence of God. Just worshipping God together. Let's worship and say as we sing this song.